Sally Lucas. You're here with us today for Talking Travel, and we're going to some pretty good, pretty cool destinations, I would have to say. Absolutely. We've got lots of things happening, talking about happenings. Absolutely. So it's all happening here today. Um, I thought we'd talk river cruising. I know we've been inundated lately on, on the, the television media with the announcement, of course, river cruising out. And they're getting earlier every year with these early bird deals, you know, for river cruising. So for 2014, it sounds silly, isn't it? People mightn't have booked for this year, but they're already, you know, talking about next year. So I just thought we'd talk about river cruising. And there are lots of different styles of river cruising. Now, the ones you see advertised, of course, are very luxurious. You know, you're on what they call spaceships um, and they're state of the art and you've got, you know, balcony suites and everything's included down to, you know, drinks and tipping gratuities, shore excursions, food, qual- really high quality food, etc. So that's that's one style of cruising. And of course, they're cruising a lot of the wonderful, you know, renowned waterways, if you like, of Europe, such, of course, as the Rhine and the Moselle and the Danube. And of course, even in Russia, you know, we've got that happening now with the Imperial Waterways of Russia going into not just the Volga, into other rivers, the Neva and the Svea rivers. Um, you know, you can go down in, up into um, the northern parts of Europe. You can go down as far as Portugal, as we've discussed before now with the Douro. You can even go into Italy and do the Po River and the Venice Lagoon. They've got cruises doing that. So, you know, the world is our oyster as far as cruising is concerned. But you also have like smaller vessels. You know, if you want to do your own thing and get a group of friends together, and what a nice way to do it. You can skipper your own like a small cruiser if you can yeah, you know, if you can imagine like a small cruiser that we would normally see around the Whit Sundays or something. So not so much a barge as a cruiser. No, it's just a cruiser, which might take like six or eight people, you know, comfortably. And so there's various canals you can do that in, and they're all throughout Europe, um, particularly in France, but also in England. So people forget about England's got lots of waterways as well and canals and so on and locks. And you can do barge cruising as well, and that's available in Europe also. Now, with your barge cruising, uh, again, it's all meals, etc. You have a chef on board, so you're, you're going not... You don't, you don't skipper a barge. People get a bit confused about that, thinking you can skipper your own barge. You can't. Um, it is skippered on your behalf, and you just go as a paying passenger. And you have, again, you still have your own cabin with ensuite, etc. but we're not talking about a huge, you know, long ship like you're seeing along the waterways that, that we've seen on, on telly and so on these days, if you've been watching any docos and things like that. So they are a smaller vessel, but, of course, not as small as the little cruisers. So here we've got, like, three different levels. And even on your major waterways, um, you do still have, for example, in Russia, they the basis of their um, cruise vessels were probably not quite as high a standard as the ones that you would see on the Danube and the Rhine and the Moselle, but they now have introduced, they do have one luxury vessel there now, so you do have a choice. Um, so yes, there's, you know, horses courses for horses, should I say. Um, so you can choose, you know, to suit your own price range and budget, obviously. But as we've discussed before, Jane, it is a marvellous way of seeing a country from the original roads. And that's what they were. They were our roads before we ever had vehicles and, you know, horse and sulky and transport people. was It was the rivers. You know, you think of the Nile and you even all the stories you read or anything you've seen or read, which I find fascinating, Egyptian history. And, and the, the boats, you know, they were huge vessels. They were roads. You know, the battles were fought and etc. You know, from people rowing boats down rivers, and it's just an amazing part of our history. Um, I think if you look back and think of how we all got around, 
was just by river. So therefore you see a lot, and there's a lot of ancient ruins, there's a lot of beautiful, you know, some of the castles are intact, some are ruined as you're going along these wonderful waterways of Europe, beautiful vineyards, beautiful scenery. You know, you're just immersed in it the whole time. And, and lots of stories to go with all of absolutely, those Absolutely, well. heaps of stories. You know, the sirens on the rock, you know, the Lorelei, etc. you know. Um, but, of course, the main thing is you're not open ocean cruising, so therefore you're pulling in all the time into villages and charming towns and, you know, you're immersing yourself in the culture and the history of these lovely little villages all along. And, of course, there are bigger cities too along the waterways, but you're getting a mix of both. So you're getting your cities, your villages, your towns, your sightseeing, where you just get off and do your own thing on foot, or you can do a guided shore excursion if you so desire, or you just sit back on your balcony with a glass of champagne and watch the world go by. Oh, life's a, life's a breeze. Isn't it tough? <laughs> and then you, the old thing, as we say, unpacking once. You know, and I think that's a delightful way. And you can, as I said, you can cruise through some of the prettiest parts of the world. You know, wonderful tapestries of vineyards and farmland and rivers and, you know, animals and villages. And it's, it's just, just a fantastic, relaxing, stress-free way of having a European holiday. Even if you've toured, you know, for part of it and you add a little cruise on at the end, if you, if you don't want to do a long one, you don't have to do the whole river and do the whole 15 days or whatever. You might just want to do a three or four day shorter little smaller vessel or you might want to do a seven day and it just would be a nice way to round off your holiday and finish up just that lovely bit of relaxation and still getting culture and history as well and just on the vessels if you're mm. at sea of course mm. well you don't get seasick because no. most of the big ships have uh, have ba- uh, what do you call Stabilize. them stabilizers mm. but if you're on a river you've got much less chance again of being well it would be most space. unusual for you to, to get, you don't get yes, that. you're not getting that, that swell. movement or mm. that swell. So you're, you're, yes, you're sitting, you know, quite low in the water, but it's also very stable. So you're not, for people that are a bit worried about doing a cruise because they might have a problem with their ears, you know, with balance and it's not just seasickness. They could be, you know, other forms of travel sickness, but this would be a lovely way for them to travel because you've not got the movement. I mean, even on a train, you'd get more movement than you would on one of these vessels. So, you know, it is a nice way or a lovely way to, to actually enjoy the country and experience all those lovely delights we've just talked about, the food, the eating, the scenery, the everything, the, the resting, the laying back, the having a champagne on deck at sunset. Don't forget the champagne. You can't forget that, not when you're in Europe, because so much cheaper than here. <laughs> We're talking travel, Sally Lucas and I, and we've been river cruising, but we're coming a bit closer to home, back from Europe. Back from Europe to our shores, and we always love coming back to our shores, don't we? I mean, we love travelling, we Aussies, but we also love returning home and appreciate. I'm sure most of us out there do really appreciate our own country. And, of course, Australia is an island, and sometimes people get a bit peeved about the quarantine and the, and the strictness and, and the, you know, visa regulations. But what we've got to remember is that we are an island surrounded by ocean. And even though we are an island, we're actually made up of 8,000 islands. And so. 8,000? 8, 8,000 in total. Isn't that, I didn't realize there were that many islands. I mean, they're probably not all habitable or habit you know, with people on them, but we are made up of 8,000 islands. So we do have to keep all these diseases and things out of our out of our country and be very particular about it. But we also, of course, as we know, have many unique animals, flora and fauna here, and even the psyche, which they think was the start of, you know, the first 
um, plant life in the cycad is, is in Australia. So that's how ancient our land is. Um, but of course, we've got Tasmania. And I just thought we'd talk about Tassie today because it's not just one of our islands. It's a state as well. We tend to forget about that little state down the bottom there. I think you just look at the one land mass and think of that as Australia. But you've got to tap Tassie in there and tuck it right in because it is a beautiful, beautiful state. And what made me, in one respect, talk about this today, Jane, I've just had a friend recently who went down there and, and hadn't been been down. She's travelled the world, got children living over the world, travelled a lot of Australia too, but she and her husband went down and spent, I think it was at least six, if not eight weeks in Tassie. Now, most people just rush down for 10 days, but she was blown away by the beauty of Tasmania and the food, you know, the quality of the food. And she kept sending us shots on Facebook and whatever. And honestly, some of her sunset shots that were to die for along the East Coast and the Strawn area where the Gordon River is. So you've got that beautiful river you can go up and you've got untouched forest, you know, beautiful, you know, as we know, ancient, ancient forests in, in Tasmania. So you can understand why they don't want logging and all this sort of thing to happen down there because it really is a small state that doesn't need, we don't want it ruined. Yeah, we lost the, the poor little Tasmanian tiger. We don't want to lose anything else. And, you know, we're saving the devils, aren't we? So we hope mm, up at, up at Barrington, which is, which is a good thing. So there's a lot to do in Tassie, uh, as I've mentioned. And it's very different from the mainland, I think. Don't well, you? I think so, yes. And, and also the, the cities trees. are so small, you've mm. got to remember too. So you're not going anywhere like a Melbourne or a Sydney or, you know, Hobart and Launceston are small cities. And the east coast, Bishano and all around that area, Swansea, are very, very pretty. And you can do lovely walks down there, like you can do the Bay of Fires walk on the east coast. And then staying in the Fraser a National Park, where your walk usually finishes. You've got choice of some beautiful accommodation there, but if you want, you can camp. So Tassie offers everything. It's got luxury retreats, as we know, at Cradle Mountain, at, as we just said, Freysenay National Park, beautiful accommodation also, you know, around Launceston, Hobart, etc. But they also even have, like, their camping areas with cabins they call cosy cabins. And I remember booking some clients once on a holiday, you know, with a car, and they did a mix. So where there was a special place, they'd shout themselves a night or two, the rest of it, they'd stay in these cosy cabins. And nearly all their camping areas in Tassie are either on the beach or on a waterway or facing something really beautiful. So they're in gorgeous areas. So it's a lovely little country, a country I'm calling it, well, it almost is, state to take your time in, not rush, because there's lots of pleasures and lots of things to discover. Like if you didn't, if you only had seven or ten days, you mightn't get across to Bruni Island. And I mean, in Bruni Island off the east coast is well worth going to. And I mean, the guy that makes the cheeses there, he's on that show with, um, what's his name, Matthew Evans, mm-hmm. is it? Yep. And they have the stalls at the Salamanca markets and he, you can go and taste his beautiful handmade cheeses. We can go to where they've just got the oysters fresh out of the ocean, shuck them and, and, and eat them on Bruni Island. Um, if you're going to stay there, you go over by ferry, you don't have a lot of um, supplies of other foods. So you might, if you're going to stay a couple of days, you might want to take your own provisions and things. I think there's only one little general store and something like that. But you've also got King Island, of course, at the top, which produces the most beautiful cheeses and cattle, etc. from there. And then you've got um, Cape Grim right up on that northwestern area where we get those beautiful, the Cape Grim steaks and and beef, which comes from that area as well. And the cleanest air in the world. The cleanest air. And, well, the rivers, aren't they beautiful? I mean, they're crystal clear. We're used to our muddy hunter. (laughs) But, I mean, you go down to Tassie. And, and honestly, if you haven't been to Tassie, I would suggest it's – I always say to people, you've got to go to Lord Howe Island before you shed your mortal coil. And I still say that. But I think Tassie is definitely another place. Now, whether you go on an escorted tour – 
whether you fly down and hire a car or a motorhome, whether you go down on your own car and take the ferry across or take your caravan or look, there's so many different ways you can get down to Tassie. But honestly, it is a beautiful, beautiful part of our country. And ideally, I mean, you probably wouldn't go there in winter because you probably wouldn't get up to the top of Mount Wellington because the roads get icy and bad and so on. So I would suggest, you know, from your late spring even summer down there right through into autumn would be a lovely time to visit Tasmania. Lots of wine tastings you can do. Of course, there's some beautiful, cool climate wines produced down there. And as we said, some fabulous food, really, you know, organic, natural produce. So a lovely part of our own country to visit. Talking travel. We'll do it again next week, Sally Lucas, after the one o'clock news on 2NURFM. Thank you, Jane.